special thanks to this crazy friend of mine who helped me build this. AKA, he built the whole thing, all right? And that crack right there is from me earlier today, so. But thank you for putting this together so we could demonstrate what God showed me here. It's not a jack in the box, unless we have a jack here that wants to get in it. So, um, first of all, I would like to just, I would like to just scold whoever came up with this. Um, I asked the folks last night for a Saturday night service if they could put a sign on it that said, do not touch. And somebody thought they'd be really smart. They put a sign that says, please do not touch. Grace won't cover you if you do. <laughs> so I'd like to know who that was so that I can, as punishment, make you listen to every one of my messages for the last. That was you, Don? Stretch your hands out towards Don right now. Jesus, fill him with grace. Hey, if that kept him from touching it, I guess we'll, that'll work. All right, thanks for doing that. Um, I want to talk about the box today, and I want to set some principles up for you that we find in the Word of God, even in the Old Testament. And I want to, I want to, I want you to understand what this represents today, so you can understand what God wants to do with it. The box is both something that we. Uh, allow things and people and religion to both put us in, but it's also something that we have learned um, to be comfortable with putting others in. And so today I want to explain to you what the modern church has done with the box and hopefully show you uh, that God actually lives outside the box and that uh, in order to enter in to what he's called us to do on the earth, we're going to have to leave the comfort and safety of our box. And so we're going to do some fun things today, and you, you, can, uh, you can just kind of laugh right along and enjoy yourself. But at the end, I think you're going to understand exactly what we're trying to accomplish this morning. Let's start in first. Whoop, back, 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 back. We didn't reset it. Oh, yeah, video stuff, good stuff. Right, here we go. First Chronicles chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. It says, now Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And God granted him what he requested. Jabez had a, had a desire in his, in his heart. He, he, uh, he knew that in order for God to, to totally be able to to pour out what he wanted to pour out on him, he would have to change some things in his life. He would have to allow the comfort of the walls of his tent to be enlarged, his borders to be blown out. But the reason I started with this scripture is because I want you to understand uh, immediately when I begin to talk about the box what the number one reason that people don't want to leave the box. We, we have created a, a culture of a faux comfort in the box and we we have allowed fear the fear of the unknown of what's outside of the box to ultimately ultimately keep us contained in the box and I love this scripture because he says he says listen I want you to enlarge my borders but but you have to understand God if I if I step out of this comfort of where I'm at if I allow my borders to be enlarged you have to protect me from harm you have to keep me safe and as we work through these scriptures and work through this text, you're going to see a pattern of religion. Because religion will always say that it is unsafe and is scary 
outside of the box. Anytime, anytime somebody tries to, to mess with, with the, the sacred cows of Christianity, not the things that actually can be supported with the Word of God, but the, the things we've always known and been told but never knew why. Anytime we start to mess with those and say, hey, let's think outside of the box for a moment. Maybe what you've always been told isn't true. The, the, the line is always this. The line is that, that it's not safe for you out here. You need to stay in there. And after a while, the person that's living in the box becomes discontent because it's kind of stark and lonely in here. And so throughout church history, we've seen that people kind of got tired of it because it's not real pretty. There's no fun or sustenance or comfort in here. And so what the modern church has morphed into is the modern church has not done away with the box. We've just made the box a little prettier, a little more comfortable. Because ultimately, if you can stay and you can be contained and kept in the box, then we don't have to worry about what you're going to do. So we use religious terms like boundaries. And it's unsafe out here. And you need to be around people you can be accountable with. And if you hang out with those people, you might catch what they have. It's contagious. You hang around sinners, you're going to sin. How'd that work out for Jesus? What do you mean you don't like to hang around church people? They're rather lovely. Unless you count every moment I've ever been around church people. I'm not, I'm not saying this. I'm just, you know, it's hypothetical. And so what happens is modern church... has created a lot of programs and structure and frills and stuff to make us comfortable in our little, little white suburban Christianity. Yeah. So maybe we have a slightly stained pillow. Uh -huh. Say, will this make you comfortable for a while? Maybe a, a sheet that my wife doesn't know I have. You were cold? Okay, I've got a blanket. Will this help? Just stay in the box. It's not safe out here. Because ultimately, where is it at? Fear is the number one motivator to actually keep us in our box. So if we can make you feel safe in here and tell you it's not safe out here, maybe you'll stay in here longer. Oh, you're hungry? I got that covered. Jesus. After losing 20 pounds in the last five weeks, these are demonic. Now my family will know what this combination does to me. We don't have to say it outside. But you take Twizzlers and chili lime beef jerky, you mix it together in my stomach, and it's like Taco, Taco Bell had a rotten baby, all right? But you've got to have beef jerky. Maybe some dessert. i got some, some Ho-Hos or whatever these are, Twinkies. I don't know what they are. 
who eats those? Oh, oh, I've got something really good here. We'll make you comfortable here. This amazing candle that says home. If your home smells like this, don't invite me over to it, all right? That smells like someone's nasty home. Throw a candle in there. I'm not going to light it, even though I love to play with fire. Oh, look what I got here. I got some snugglies. Because when we're confronted with something that makes us think that the box is not where we're supposed to be, we have to have somebody to talk to. What? It's scary out there, right? And religion does everything we can to keep you contained in the box. And then after we make you comfortable in the box, we got to make sure that all your friends know how really cool and colorful and wonderful this box is. So they'll want to be a part of it. And they're going to want their own box. So we do all sorts of stuff. I need a decorating crew. Who wants to decorate for me? Stars, arts and craft time. You, you were waiting for this day to come in church. People, I found gummy bear tape. You don't just run into this stuff, okay? This is ordained by heaven. You know, it doesn't matter how pretty the tape is. It's still keeping you in. You with me? What am I doing out here? It's fine. It's colorful. It's gummy bears. How could gummy bears be bad? So basically what we do is, as Aaron's decorating that, is we, we've created this, this keep doing, what is that? That's not enticing. It's a smile. I wouldn't want to be in this box, but anyways, that defeats the purpose. All right. And so, and so what we begin to realize is that there's this thing, there's this system, and it's not anything new. It's been for generations where religion has been used to control and contain people instead of letting them actually experience relationship and choose to live and to love and to be loved by him. And so we see this throughout the Bible. There's, there, in Isaiah 54, it says, O childless woman, break out into loud and joyful song. Jerusalem, for she who was abandoned has more blessings now than she who his husband stayed. Enlarge your house, build on additions, spread out your home. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will possess the cities left behind during the exile and rule the nations that took their lands. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame and shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood will be remembered no more. Because as long as we can keep you in the box and we can keep you feeling shameful and we can keep you feeling controlled in fear with the law, as long as you can stay confined in this, then maybe you won't realize how barren you are. And really, you can't conceive in the box. You can't actually bear a child in the box. 
because you've chosen temporary safety in your belief system. And I'm not, if, if the shoe fits, wear it. But I'm just saying this is what's happened. If, 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 we can just, if we can choose this temporary safe moment, freedom is scary. Freedom to choose to be loved and to love is scary. The fear of rejection and abandonment and the who knows what's going to happen is scary. So if you just tell me, just what do I need to do for God to love me? What do I need to do to just stay comfortable in this? Don't tell me I have choice. And so as long as this is going on, it's hard to conceive. It's impossible to actually see the promise be birthed and planted on the inside of you. Because God is wanting you to actually bust out the seams and build rooms. Go build a playpen. Go build a room for your baby. Go get the, the crib set up. Go do some crazy, extravagant, wasteful things. Based on the promise that God is bigger than your box. In Isaiah 10 I mean, 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Jesus came to this earth, and we've talked a lot about why and how and what, but one of the reasons he came was to set free people that were captive, to take the chains off of people that were being held down. And I promise you, he didn't want to set you free from, from whatever, from a lifestyle of whatever. He's not looking to set you free from that just for you to be in bondage to religion in the box. He wants you to set you free. It says actually for the sake of freedom, he set us free, which means he set us free so that we would be free. So we would live in freedom, not that we would just be enslaved to something else. Can you imagine for generations and centuries, many of us have been contained in the box and yet we have looked and peeped out the hole of our box and looked at everybody else and contained in the box of their sin and their past and their shame and we've looked down on them not realizing that we're actually looking from our own box. Because being enslaved to sin is no different from being enslaved to religion and the law. Preach it, Dan. Preach it. Okay, I will. Isaiah 10, 27 says, On that day will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery off their necks and destroy it as decreed. There's an anointing that Jesus is described in Micah 2. I'm going to show you right here. He's described as the breaker. It says, I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. I will surely gather remnant of Israel. I'll put them together like sheep in the fold, like a flock in the midst of his pasture. They will be noisy with men. The breaker goes up before them. They break out, they pass through the gate, and they go out by it. So their king goes on before them and the Lord at their head. God wants to come and break wide open anything, any gate, any box, any obstacle in your way that would hold you back from advancing into the promises that he has for you. He wants to break it and destroy it. He's come to set the captive free. He's come to proclaim liberty. He's come to cause barren women to sing again. And for people whose promises have laid dormant to conceive again. So what's the problem? Why do we stay here? Well, because we have a multi-billion dollar industry called the modern church that has done everything they can to make this as appealing as possible. There's, I'm going to step on some toes, but I'm not trying to do this on purpose. There are arms and parts of political parties 
and their whole goal is to keep you confined in a box. And I'm not talking about Republican or Democrat. They both do it. Because to you, they want to know how you're going to vote. So they label you, and they contain you, and they put you to the box. Christian conservatives were some of the most targeted people by politicians because they know that we will vote one way or another just purely because all of our other Christian friends are doing it, not because we actually thought about it. There's people in minority groups that Democrats target, and their whole plan is if we can make you feel like you're abandoning your own and be shamed within your own unit, then you, you, won't, you won't vote with freedom. You're going to vote for who you're told to vote for. Both parties do it. Our entire governmental system is based on the idea that we can confine you and put you in a box, that you won't be unpredictable. Where do you think they learned it from? The church. We've been doing it with denomination. We've been doing it with skin color. We've been doing it with sexuality. We've been doing it with all sorts of stuff. We have churches for every shape. We're like, oh, you're this? Well, there's one of those in this town. Oh, you're this? Oh, over in Newtown, you can go to church there. Oh, you're this? Oh, yes. I think they speak your language over here. Oh, you're this? Oh, you can go do this. Oh, you're dressed like that? Yeah, we do suits and ties here. Oh, you're dr- I'm sorry. Um, my brother Jim, we were, we were, we were kind of joking around as a family this morning because somebody posted a, 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 a blog from Mario Murillo. And if you like Mario Murillo, I'm sorry what I'm getting ready to say, but he posted this insane blog having to do with holiness. And just basically for the most part said that if, if you are telling people that are telling, if, if, if pastors and ministry leaders are telling people that God actually has paid the price for your righteousness and holiness, that we are, what, how did he put it? that we are essentially, it's like feeding Snickers to diabetics. Okay? So my brother Jim put on a post there, and, and uh, it was pretty interesting, but he essentially just said, so, so this whole holiness thing, if we're supposed to earn it, and it's an earned thing, and it's not something that we get because we receive it as a gift through Christ, then is there such thing as like percentage of holiness? Like... He's at 31%, she's at 65%, Aaron's at 100%, we all know that, right? Right? But then depending on what you do, you lose points, like it's like a point system of holiness. Like, oh, it's, I just love being around him, he's so holy. Just so holy. So G- Jim and I want to do a, a entire like skit type thing. Um, we don't want to maybe do a video of it and get Stephen to help us out, where we do a holiness game show. And I'm going to be the host. Jim's going to be one of the bad Christians. And he's going to tell us what he did this week. And I'm going to say, oh, you did that? Negative 10 holiness points. Oh, great. You were at a party and you refused somebody's drink. Plus five holiness points. You learned your wife's love language. And you forced yourself to spend time with her. Plus 10. Great. Right? You cussed at your kids. Negative five. You go to harvest, negative 40. <laughs> Point made. All right. <laughs> but really, at the end of the day, either it's a gift or it's not. And so it's the weirdest thing because so much of the modern church today is basically saying, oh, no, we believe it's a gift. But X, Y, and Z. And all that is is no, 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 we want you to feel really good about this, but get back in the box. Because we have to. 
there's a great story I'm going to tell you, and, and then I'm going to end with, with this. Um, there's a young man. His name is Justin Bieber. Have you ever heard of him? And... Only at harvest, on a Sunday morning, will you hear somebody scream out, that's my baby daddy. It does not happen anywhere else, all right? All right. There's grace for you. Okay. Well, Justin Bieber's cleaned up his act as of late, but let me remind you of, of who the world knew Justin Bieber as. Can we do that? It's just a couple highlight clips. Get him! Get him! Beat that paparazzi up. Yeah! All right, I'm driving my really expensive half a million dollar car. There's some photographers in my way. What should I do? What should I do? I'm not sure here. I got an idea. Run him over. Run him over! Get him! Yes! That's negative 10 points, by the way. Deposition time. Don't want to answer the questions. He's rebellious. Thinks he's above the law. Runs people over his cars. Yeah, hit her! Yeah! Get her! Of course you're angry. You have $300 million. DUI test time. Watch the turn, guys. Watch the turn. This is going to bring back some memories for some of you. Ooh, all right. Get some stability there. <laughs> Drunk on stage, puking. Justin, just end the song early. You're killing us. Thank you. Y'all remember that, Justin Bieber? How easy it is to put someone like that in the box. Look at all the money he has, all the privilege he has. He can have whoever, whatever he wants, anytime he wants. And he's ungrateful, and he's angry, and he's violent, and he's a punk, and he's this, and he's that, and all the stuff that we so easily labeled him as. We put him in the box of this diva, this superstar who is just a punk, ungrateful. But then a pastor came along and told Justin that he didn't have to be put in a box anymore and told him that the God that he was told as a child was not actually the true living God that loved him where he was at and whose love was waiting for him when he wanted it. Can you, can you put this back to the beginning? Shut up. I want to hear Justin. Yeah. Thank you. Just to the beginning. Thank you. Yeah, back. Yeah, back a little bit further. There you go. Turn it up for me. Thanks, Mike. Why did you feel that way? And why did you want to the pastor to begin with? 
All right, so no, it was basically because I was I was just in a weird place, dude, yeah. and I felt I felt it in my soul. I was looking at myself in, in the mirror, and I was growing up. I my mom raised me as a Christian, so but as I was growing up, there was so many weird Christians that I came across that yeah. was like, I don't think I want to be a Christian, yeah. you know. And then I got to a point where I was like, I was so lost. I'm like, let me try to revisit my faith, but I did it with these people because I know that their view on their faith is so much different than most Christians. Because uh -huh. most Christians are like, I'm going to do this so that God can love me. I'm going to yeah. like, if I show up wearing this, like, he'll respect that, you know? Of but course. that's not what God is. Like, if God is based on love, it's I love you first regardless of what you do rather than you do this and then I'll love you. Does that make sense? He loves you no matter, he, he loves you no no matter, matter what. what. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't mean you can go do what you want, but it, it just, it, if God's based on love, like I, if I love my girlfriend, right, yeah. I'm not going to want to cheat on her because I love her so much. It's not like if I don't cheat on her, she's going to love me more. Or of you know course. what I mean? It's like yeah. you develop a relationship with God and so grows. that you don't want to do that other stuff. Yes. And you don't want to be judgmental. You don't want to hurt people because you're like, oh, like, God loves me, I have, you know, and you're able to, but when it's about religion and about the works and about all this other stuff that's just kind of irrelevant, yeah. and going to church every Sunday, like, I'm going to go to church every Sunday to no. believe in God. If you want to, and that's what works for you, cool, yeah. but like, there's so many people that came around and they're like, oh, blessings, God, just because you say like, these weird Christian things, does, does it, it make really you, mean anything? is it a better, does that make you better? Like, yeah. So it kind of got weird for me, the whole faith and religion thing. And, and, uh, but when I kind of realized what it should be and not what it was portrayed to me as what it was, uh -huh. it made it so much like cooler and easier for me to comprehend it. And, oh, everything, I, and I feel like everything changed for you then, yes? It, yeah, it did, yeah. As soon as I could understand my worth and knew that like, hey, people aren't giving me what I need. Like, yeah. people are always wanting something. I can never tell if something's really authentic, but when I really sit in my room and I'm alone and I can just, like, God, are you there? Like, I feel this connection with something that's a higher being. It just, and picture it as being a perfect thing. Yeah. It just puts an ease to my soul that's, like, so here's a guy special. with 100 special, million yeah. Instagram followers, I don't mean to be weird. more than 100 million on Facebook, hundreds and hundreds of millions of people that follow him. And he goes to the largest uh, music festival in the world, the, or the, the most expensive one to get in, the music festival of the year, Coachella, two weeks ago, gets on this side stage and grabs a friend playing acoustic guitar and sings some songs. And let me show you. starts prophesying, singing.
That's just a couple of clips. Because someone finally told him that God is not in the box. That God's actually outside of the box waiting for you. With your unique gifts and talents and passions, God's actually waiting outside the box. And I wonder, I wonder in the story, uh, this last story I'm going to tell you. Oh gosh, shirtless picture of Justin. You're welcome, ladies, all right? But the one back there apparently has already seen that. So, um, while he, being Jesus, was in Bethany, at the home of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial, some call it an alabaster box, a vessel, a very costly perfume of pure nard, spike nard. She broke the vial and poured it over his head, but some were indignantly remarking to one another, why has this perfume been wasted? I want to tell you something. Religion always calls things like this a waste. That's why the message of grace is called, they, they lame it sloppy grace or super grace or hyper grace because they think that love in too much of a measure is extravagant and wasteful. And to the natural mind, maybe it is. But Jesus didn't come and drop one drop of blood. He let it flow out of him. He wasted his blood that spilled onto the ground because he knew that humanity was worth it. And love is extravagant and it is wasteful and it is reckless and it is wild and it is more than people think should happen and it rescues people that people don't think should be rescued. But it does every single time. Then, for this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. They were scolding her, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother me? She has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, you can do to them. But you, you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body before the burial. Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, that this woman, what this woman has done will be spoken of. Listen to this. She caught a revelation that, that it was a prophetic revelation of what was getting ready to happen. She literally, he says, she's preparing my body for burial. She knew that there was going to be something that the world would see as wasteful and reckless and crazy that was getting ready to happen. And she, before, when she poured this out on his head, she was already beginning to prepare his body for the very burial. Because anytime we, anytime religious minds and people call something wasteful, you'll usually, if you track it back, if you trace it back, you'll realize that it leads directly back to the cross and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And what he said to them was, you don't understand what's getting ready to happen is going to blow your box wide open. What's getting ready to happen with my death, burial, and resurrection is going to crush your religious laws and fulfill everything that people thought they needed to pay. And you don't understand that this is connected directly to my burial. This is an act that you're getting ready to see that I'm going to live on the grand stage for humanity for, to see for once and for all. And so as we look at this, I, I, it's interesting because what she actually had contained in that box was spikenard. And spikenard, the root word for spikenard, where they got their word spikenard from, actually means this, having the power to be persuaded and have faith. So she, when she broke that vial, that box, she actually released the power to be persuaded and to have faith over the body of Jesus. Oh, somebody's got to hear what I'm getting ready to say right now. If you will allow Jesus to take the lid off your box and allow your box to get exploded, your tent enlarged, I, I won't need religious rules and laws 
to condemn you in order to persuade you who Jesus is in your life. If I'll actually take this off, the power, the experiential power to persuade and to have faith will be released over your life. It will be released over your life and the world will look at it and say it's a waste, but Jesus will say you're worth it. You want to see what it looks like? With all this comfortable stuff. Uh, hey buddy, you ready to come out of the box? Yep, okay, this is what it's going to look like. Right here. All right, now, I broke that last time. This is the vision God gave me. You ready for this? The vision God gave me was this. What used to contain you is going to become the platform under your feet. I'm losing my voice, so I'm, gonna talk, I'm not going to talk quiet. What used to contain you is now going to become the platform under your feet. What used to hold you back is now going to be the very thing that you tread on to declare the goodness of God. You know why this... You know why this can't go away? Because the world has to realize and see that you were once in the same box they're in. Your friends and Christian people around you that have been contained and held up and not free to live and to choose and to love and be loved need to know that what you're standing on is the very foundation of what you're declaring the goodness of God from. And what contained you is now under your feet and has become the very platform that you will declare and decree the goodness of God from generation to generation that you will say, look around you I have tasted and I have seen that God is good and you don't have to fear or be afraid because religion has told you that out here it's so scary it's not scary it's freedom it's the opportunity to live and to be loved and to love and it's the opportunity for each and every one of us to experience all that God has for us and I love this because when the box broke apart before me it led us back to the whole reason Jesus came it's the cross So some of us think that we're standing on the regrets and shame of our past, the bad memories of being contained and controlled, but really we're standing on the cross. Because the cross is the moment where God broke apart anything that could cause you harm, where he paid the price for your shame, and he broke the box that you would never have to be contained in it again. I don't need the comfort of this, 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 this. Bye-bye, beanies. Hello, Twizzlers. Josh Twizzlers. Beef jerky? There you go. It's all yours. Smash Twinkies? Let me close with this, if I can. I also like this because it's kind of a crossroad here. I can stand in the middle of it. God wants to take the lid off your box. He wants us to take the box that we've put other people in, different parts of our society. He wants us to take the lid off that box. Stop feeling the need to contain and control. And he wants to take the platform that this box creates to put it under our feet to allow it to be the place that we stand looking back on what we once were controlled in that has now become the very platform that we declare the goodness of God from it is the cross 
It is what he finished, it's what he did. And today before we leave, I just wonder how many of us have just been a little freaked out lately. How many of us wanna just duck down into our boxes and say, this is getting scary. What Pastor Dan's been preaching is freaking me out a little bit. I don't remember this in Sunday school. But if we were really honest with ourselves, some of us have been miserable in our faith for a long time. Because the novelty of the comfort or fake comfort of all this is beginning to wear off. And we're starting to see through the little peepholes the people that are living free outside of the box. And it sure doesn't look as scary and as unsafe as we were told. It looks like they're having the time of their life. It looks like their hearts are coming to life. And we have a choice in that moment. Maybe you feel like you're in the box this morning. The choice is, do I look out? And do I allow jealousy to change my mind from wonder to fear and anger, resentment? Or do I allow a holy jealousy to come upon me to pop my head out and say, Jesus, take the lid off this thing. I'm tired of being contained. Jim, my brother Jim, wrote a beautiful post on Facebook this week. You should read it if you haven't. It's beautiful. One of the things he said in there is he said, we at Harvest don't have a perfect theology. I feel like it changes every week. He didn't say that part. That's my added part. But we serve a perfect Jesus. And if we keep preaching Jesus and what he did and what he finished, people will come far and wide. Because when you see me up here, when, when they see you up here and see what used to contain you is now your platform, they're going to say, how do I get that? And we're going to say, well, here's 10 steps. No. We're going to say, he's already done it. You just got to stand up and let him take that thing off. Because he desperately wants relationship with you. He's tired of this weird thing that we do as Christians where we have relationship through the rules, which is no relationship. What would it look like if we just communed? And we saw him and he saw us. Every part of our heart was exposed. We didn't hold anything back. You know, sometimes in relationship, we hold things back because we're afraid of what the other person will say or do. Sometimes we change and modify how we respond to the world around us because we're trying to navigate personalities and navigate relationships. But what would it look like if we actually entered into the perfect relationship that he's created for us to live in? The communion of where our hearts just say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. And he responds not with, wow, you really are messed up. But he responds with, let me remind you of who you are, what you're called to. Let me remind you of who you've been created to be. 
because it's not in here. You will stay barren in here. You will die in here. Your hopes and dreams will perish in here. You won't really truly be living in here. You'll be surviving. Does it get scary sometimes? Sure, freedom is scary. Are you gonna mess up more? Probably. Does church look a little messier? Yep. I wrote in my blog on, or my post on Facebook that religion wants to just rubber stamp you as a Christian soldier for consistency's sake. We don't want Christian soldiers around here. We don't want people all looking the same, acting the same, talking the same, going to the same places, being around the same people, doing the same actions, waiting for their next command. That's not what I'm interested in as a church. I'm interested in a body of people who would just simply say, God, use me. And for you to realize you have the freedom to be who God created you to be and to live your life in a way that really brings glory to the masterpiece that is you. We don't want clones, we want masterpieces. We don't want cheap knockoffs, we want the real deal. And it's only found outside the box. I could preach for three more hours, but I'm gonna close, I'm done. We get this revelation today. I hope this picture stays with you. I want to tell you this because um, tomorrow morning I'm leaving to Sacramento and I just want to tell you this because for about five weeks or six weeks I've been telling you that it's our time and that God's been speaking that over my life and he's been speaking it over your life and over this church. It's, I've been saying it's our time and it's our season. And this week I'm doing a project for Danny Silk. If you don't know who he is, he's, he's a big deal, so just get over it, all right? He's cool. He's the author of Keep Your Love On and... and uh, uh, Culture of Honor and Living on Purpose is his organization. He's one of the big was one of the big three out at Bethel that built what they have. It's a great guy, probably the most brilliant man when it comes to relationship in the whole Christian, relationships in the whole Christian world. Has a platform of millions of followers, and uh, I was I produced something for him back in December, and I'm producing something for him this week. I'll be back by next Sunday to be with you guys. And he called me on the phone, and he said. He said, how would you feel about, instead of being behind the camera for a couple segments, you being in front of the camera? See, what used to contain you is gonna become your platform. So I said, no, of course. <laughs> and what he said to me was, he said, or I think it was Sherry I was talking to in that moment. They just basically said, you know, we feel like it's, it's your time. And I was like, I've been saying that and now I'm starting to believe it. And um, so on Tuesday, the first segment we'll shoot will actually be me in front of the camera, just me and Danny for cultures and conversations because he's going to be asking my, my heart what I, where I believe culture in the church is going. Now, I want to leave you with this because this is miraculous. I was a little freaked out because I'm thinking, well, last time we were together was December and a lot's changed since then. And so last night, I, I was literally so anxious at the dinner table that I had tears running down my face. My daughter's looking at me like, Dad, are you okay? And I'm saying, I'm just freaked out. 
because I don't want to get there and dishonor the relationship. I don't want to get there and say something where he's like, well, we can't use that because he's going off the rails. And I was like, well, God, you're just going to have to make it real plain to me. So this morning, mind you, we had built this platform here uh, Friday, and but we had talked about it a week and a half ago. God had given me this message. And this morning, Sunday morning, I get up and I go to Instagram because I'm cool. <laughs> and the first thing on Instagram, the first photo that pops up is this. Mom, can you read that? First of all, can you read who, who it's from? Danny Silk. God is always outside our boxes, waiting with unlimited resources. <laughs> and it was like six, it was literally 5.55 this morning when I read that or whatever, six o'clock in the morning, and the girls were all sleeping, and I was like... Oh, I'm trying to close to get rid of them. All right. So um, I want to affirm Dan today. Um, wow. You know, um, he said a few weeks ago, sometimes God comes through the pastor first and moves out. That's the order that the Lord uses all the time. He goes from the top and moves out. And Dan has been sharing his heart what God's been doing, that he's been really in a personal revival. I know that I went, I'm just one of many of you. I went to preach last week in New York. My messages were all on the Father's love. And I experienced an explosion of the Father's love like I never saw before. Last week I was speaking again at a local group. And we actually experienced, didn't we Peggy? The manifest presence of the love of the Lord come into the room. Way too much to hold in a box. And I said to the Lord, where is all that coming from? Like, finally, maybe I got my life right and I'm doing something. He says it comes from the harvest, from that man that is preaching those scriptures. Those scriptures are transforming me and my ministry. You hold, I told you before, you hold keys, but do you know what? Those keys, I can only speak for myself, those keys have unlocked the shackles of religiosity in my own feet and my hands and have given me a breakthrough in ministry that is so far out of the box. You know, I don't, I'm not seeking holiness. Holiness is pursuing me. And as the shackles are coming off, I'm finding myself in a new place, a greater place where I'm operating in the fullness of all God has for me. So as Dan goes on, I just want to say to him, not only are we, we're already experiencing it. You're already experiencing it. It's already dribbling down into our lives, and we're beginning to experience it. And the Lord told me, he said, let me just tell you one thing. He says, you've got to give it away. It works like money. Give, and it shall come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. As the love begins to come into your life, you just you can't keep your mouth shut. You have to begin extending and coming into an alignment with that word. And so will you reach your hands out towards Dan right now as he steps out with really into the world <laughs> with this message of love, Father, we just thank you for, for an obedient heart, Lord, 
that our pastor has just opened his heart. He's just given himself to you. He's spoken the words that you've placed there. He's moving in the flow of the river of God. And we ask that as he goes out to meet with Danny Silk, that you would just continue this amazing work that you're doing. We refuse to get back in the box, Lord. And we stand with him. We go with him, every single one of us. We go out into the world as we leave these doors today. And we just say, God, we are out of the box and we are not going in again. You do what you want to do in our community, in our lives, and all over the world. We're following our pastor as he follows the move of God in the, uh, in the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you go, that's good. Thank you. Before you go, uh, Wednesday night, a lady that was in the first service came up to me and she said this, and I want to leave you this. She said, uh, I had a vision a couple, uh, a week ago, and it was regarding one of our services. And she said, as your band was worshiping and the singers were singing and you were preaching and what was going on, whatever, by the way, thank you. It's very kind. And I really believe that. I really believe that that's from the father's heart, but I'm a mess. So if you follow me, you might be a mess too. So just... <laughs> If you get something out of what I have to say and, and it causes something to come alive in you, that's awesome. But she said this. She says, we were, we were looking at, she said, I was looking at this and I began to have this vision of hell in, in the underworld. And she said, the demons were running around and they were screaming at the top of their lungs in confusion and they were fighting with one another and it was pure chaos. And it was during your service and during your messages. And she said, when you would release a scripture of freedom, they would get louder. And she said, I couldn't hear what they were saying. And finally, I began to hear what they were saying. And she said they were screaming at the top of their lungs. They found out. They found out. They found out. And she said finally one of them, like one of the bigger ones, actually stood up and looked and, uh, looked, and, 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 and looked and silenced everybody and said, they found out who the real Jesus was. And they began to just scream and fight. And they were angry and it began to stir up hell. And this morning she told me, she finished with the vision with me. She said what confused her was it took her a while to realize they were demons. But she said, um, because they weren't dark, she said they were full of light. And they were white. And she said, and she was like, that's so weird because they looked demonic. They looked like demonic creatures, but they had this light that was emanating from them. And she said the Lord reminded her that it was the religious spirits that came as angels of light. And so the religious spirits that have controlled Sarasota, that have controlled our nation and the church are screaming in hell. They found out. And we're not letting that revelation go. Stay outside of the box. And invite your friends to get out of the box with you. I love you guys. Bless you.